You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Inspiring Progressive Business, a podcast series for SMEs. Join us for insights from inspirational business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts on key topics of importance to your business. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today and also thank our two speakers, which I'll introduce in a second. First of all, let me introduce myself. My name is Martin Richards, Global Head of Sustainable Finance for HSBC's Commercial Bank, as well as being President of HSBC Ventures, which is our uh, $1 billion global venture debt fund investing in companies around the world, and particularly in the uh, climate tech space. I think we all know that ESG is something we should be doing and something we have to do. But in this session, we're really going to talk about how it can actually be an advantage to you, particularly to get ahead of your competition. So without more ado, I'd like to introduce my uh, panelists here. First of all, there's James Gafari, who's Director of Growth and Product at B Corp, uh, based in the UK, and then uh, Christian Raja Gopalan, and he's head of APAC Partnerships at Stripe Climate um, in Singapore. And any of you who've been following the news, uh, Stripe have been all over the news with their climate efforts and really are probably a good exemplar of someone using an ESG strategy to their advantage. I'd ask my panelists to introduce themselves, and James, maybe we could uh, start with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate the introduction and, and appreciate the, the invite to be here today and to talk to everyone about ESG and sustainability more generally. So, as you said, I work for B-Lab UK, which is the kind of the home of the B Corp movement. And for those of you that don't know about B Corp, it is a community of companies around the world, almost 5,000 now across 77 countries, that are all aligned to use business as a force for good. Essentially, what that means is that the way in which business has been done predominantly for the last kind of five or so decades has been uh, reflective of just kind of maximizing profits and maximizing value for shareholders, which has to some extent led to some of the big kind of global challenges that we see today. And so what we're trying to do with B Corp is to work with companies to show that you can be a model of a business that is both making commitments to the environment, to society, to your workers, and you can also be successful. And so that's really what B Corps are doing. And they're trying to show that they can kind of be examples for other businesses to follow to, as I say, be profitable, to be successful, but also to be a good business for people and and for the planet. So that's uh, that's us at B Corps. No, thanks, James. And uh, Christian, over to you. Maybe we could uh, hear about what you do uh, for Stripe. Absolutely. Thanks, Martin, and the HSBC team for uh, having me here. Uh, I, I lead Stripe's uh, partnerships efforts in APAC. We work very closely with HSBC and a number of others to launch a growing portfolio of products that help platforms, marketplaces, and especially SMEs uh, to scale their online businesses uh, globally. Today, in particular, I'm very excited to share some information about Stripe Climate which is our attempt to create and scale an ecosystem for carbon removal. We believe SMEs in particular will find it a very compelling addition to their sustainability strategies, and I look forward to sharing additional information and feeling some questions today. 
Great, thank you. James, before we get into how a sustainability strategy can be an advantage for you, I think it might be helpful to define kind of what is and what isn't a sustainability strategy. So we kind of are on the same page. And then maybe first few steps a company needs to take. I think there are companies out there, one of the largest, let's say Walmart, has a very clearly defined sustainability strategy. If you're starting off, you know, what makes up a sustainability strategy and kind of what do you have to do first? Yeah, absolutely. And and what I would probably start off with is that it is for everyone and for every business. The biggest businesses in the world will have big sustainability departments, but there is a competitive advantage to being a smaller business. You're more agile, you're more live, you're more innovative. And so don't be kind of put off by thinking we don't have a sustainability department. Hopefully I can try and demystify you know, some of the acronyms of ESG and CSR and all of these things so that it, it just makes more sense for a business. So what I wanted to do is just touch on two key things, really. I think the, the first thing I would talk about when setting a, a sustainability strategy is, is leadership. And what I mean by that is having the leaders in the business set an intention for the whole of the business and set a purpose for the company. So if you're a business of, of any type, the first thing to do is to really think about what is the purpose of that business and what do we want that business to be there for? And yes, it is to solve a, a challenge that a consumer or a client has in the market, but it is also to leave a positive impact on, on people and on the planet, because without a healthy planet and healthy people, we can't operate any business. And so it's really important to set that intention from the start. The second thing that I would touch on is, is really trying to demystify what can be an extremely difficult and vague landscape of sustainability in the broadest sense. So when I think about sustainability, the thing that I'm really thinking about is stakeholders. And what I mean by stakeholders is, you know, the groups of individuals that are affected by or affect your business. So things like the environment, for instance, or yes, your shareholders, your workers, your suppliers, your the communities in which you operate. And the, the at the basic kind of level of sustainability, it is about thinking about your stakeholders, thinking about those people that are affected by the business, and then thinking about what is your relationship with them. And when you kind of think about sustainability in that sense, it does sound very simple, but it helps to understand why there is a business case for sustainability and why, obviously, we will talk a little bit about what the competitive advantage is. Because if you're looking at all of those groups of individuals that can affect the success of your business and you're reviewing your relationship with them and trying to improve your relationship with them, the outcome of that is a better business, a business that is stronger because of the links that it has to those core groups of, of individuals. Great, great. And James, you've mentioned when a company was coming together, the founders, the board, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously, there's a lot of SMEs that have been around for 10, 20, 100 years. I'm assuming that if you're starting a technology startup, this is important to do. But if you're running a business that's 100 years old, this is just as important and could be just as impactful to your existing business. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's sometimes a conversation that has never been had before to sit around a table and say, what are our values as an organization? And where are we trying to take the business? And what do we want? the world to look like in 10, 
50 years because we're going to have to operate in that world. If we're going to be successful and we're going to keep existing as a business, we need a world and a society and a community that we can exist in. And so it's a really interesting conversation to have with, with those board members. And so, yeah, whether you are a startup thinking about this, I think it's interesting to do it at the start of a business because you have more control over everything that you do. But even if your business is 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 a is a is an older business and maybe even a, a family business, I think that's a really interesting aspect of it as well. You know, a generational business, the heart of those kind of family businesses is based on leaving something for the future generations. And, and really that's what this is. It's about thinking about how are we successful as a business, not just in the next quarter, but over the next 10, 20, 50 years. Great. Thank you. Christian, maybe we could talk a little bit about Stripe. I mean, I've known the company for, for a while. I guess they're still considered maybe a startup, but they're, they're a very big startup at this point. I guess they're still a private company, but they're a very big company at this point. I mean, it might be helpful just to give people the two sentences on what Stripe does in case they're not familiar. But even though Stripe are not necessarily in the climate business, they've been one of the kind of the leaders in trying to use technology both to help themselves um, help a particular technology and help SMEs reduce their carbon footprint. Can you maybe explain a little bit more about this and the benefits that you and some of the SMEs you work with are kind of seeing from your program? Absolutely. Stripe started out as a payment processing company that helped companies start collecting or acquiring money or selling online without being technically savvy, right? So the idea and the early proposition was that you could essentially with just a few lines of code, enable payment collection for your online businesses. And that was more than a decade back. And I think fast forwarding over sort of multiple layers of innovations and products, I think we've morphed into a company that has a very wide range of products that help SMEs establish their business, open bank accounts, set up online presences, start transacting online, invoicing, billing, tax, reconciliation. So running the gamut of all the operational details that an SME today spends a lot of time on instead of focusing on core growth you know, products and services. And so Stripe sort of remit now is to try and build an integrated suite of products that essentially make it incredibly easy for SMEs to do business online. Now, in terms of Stripe climate and technology uh, and, and ESG in particular, I think as a starting point, we believe that you know, to prevent kind of the worst effects of climate change, you sort of need to both radically reduce emissions, but also remove gigatons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere by 2050. And Stripe has been sort of focused on the carbon removal work stream, if you will. We know the world needs a lot of carbon removal uh, technologies to be deployed at scale, but there's a lot to be done in terms of spurring innovation and cutting edge technologies. Companies in the space sort of currently face a fair amount of uncertainty, uh, about future demand uh, makes it hard for them to scale production and, and reduce prices. So in terms of history, we started this journey by spending about a million dollars of our own money, being the first customers, if you will, to a handful of carbon removal companies. And two things happened when we did that. First, I think we got a surprisingly positive reaction from these carbon removal tech companies, which just showed us that there was a huge demand for customers. We also heard from businesses using Stripe that they wanted to join us, right? Uh, and very specifically with respect to SME users, 
we heard loud and clear that they want to act on climate in meaningful ways, but there's not a clear path for how to get started. Uh, and so to help solve all of this, we developed uh, Stripe Climate. What Stripe Climate is, uh, in a nutshell, is an extension to our existing product that allows businesses to allocate a fraction of every transaction to fund carbon removal technologies without any additional uh, resources of any kind, right? Technology, people, et cetera. And Stripe uses 100% of these contributions to purchase permanent carbon removal from companies building promising sort of new solutions. So as an example, we have tens of thousands of companies, including Whimsical and Remote OK and others that today use Stripe Climate to contribute a percentage of their revenue towards carbon removal. And the short answer is uh, for SMEs that want to take action and want to help and are uncertain about a way to get started, Stripe Climate offers one starting point, a jump off point to actively contribute. Thank you, Chris. And I think the philosophies behind this is when we need carbon renewable in 2040, let's just say, it's going to be way too expensive if we don't start now. And we basically, the more you do something, the cheaper it gets. And this is the time to kind of okay. invest in this and kind of help yourself, help your peers and help the planet. So uh, uh, thank you for that. Great. So we, we talked a little bit about what Stripe is doing and how they could help SMEs. James, kind of back to you. You did, you did a wonderful job on your first uh, answer, not using any acronyms, which I thought was great, which is very difficult in this space. Maybe you could just talk us through a little bit kind of from your experience now we've kind of set out what this, this strategy might look like is how companies could use kind of sustainability or their strategy around sustainability to set them apart from their competition and therefore give them a competitive advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I'll probably answer this in, in, in two ways, one from an internal point of view and one from external. It's important not to jump on the fact that you go and get something and you stick it on your packaging or you stick it on your website as a label and just say, that's going to give us a competitive advantage because that may be part of it. And I'll, I'll talk to that. But I really want to start with the, the kind of the internal benefits or, or business case that can come from engaging in a sustainability strategy. And I'm glad that you use that word in like sustainability strategy. And actually, that's what we're hearing even more over the last few years, moving away from having a CSR department necessarily. And I'll just use an acronym there, but you know, corporate sustainability department to actually having a sustainability strategy that sits at the core of your operations, where it should sit and where it can have most benefit. So how I wanted to start really was around internal benefits and thinking more intentionally about everything that you do as a business has benefits from your employees being more loyal and retaining more employees and being more motivated creates a sustainability strategy and talks to their internal stakeholders about it. There's an enormous effect of like the employees engaging because they don't feel like they have to check their values at the door every time they, they come to work. And, you know, we did a, uh, this is just in the B Corp community, but we did a survey last year. Um, and all of the B Corps that had recruited recently said that nearly three quarters of their candidates and interviews had mentioned B Corp. And that's just B Corp as a conduit. More and more employees, especially, you know, we talk about millennials and Gen Z, are looking to those companies to, to share their values and they will be more loyal and more, more kind of motivated in doing so. 
And then there's, there's other benefits as well around things like your operational kind of performance. For instance, if you're trying to cut down on your water usage or on your energy usage or on your waste production, that can obviously lead to better performance and reduce costs. Finally, in terms of access to capital, we've seen, I've certainly seen in my role, more and more investors coming to me and saying, how do we make sense of B Corp? How can we use the framework to work with our portfolio companies or to look for companies to invest into? So it's not just the growth of impact investing, it's more and more investors looking for companies that have actually thought about their sustainability, have put like the risks of climate and of antisocial policies on their kind of risk registers and obviously access to debt too. You've seen a lot of these kind of big high profile, you know, credit facilities that are being linked to sustainability targets. So the better you do on your sustainability measures, the less you pay in your, in your cost of capital. So I just really quickly wanted to touch on the fact that competitive advantage can include a better operating company uh, from the inside. And very quickly, in terms of the, the external side of things, it's, it's really to do with how you then engage with your customers. There's this kind of, over the few, last few years, there's been this developing narrative of like, can you have profit and purpose? You know, is it profit or purpose? And it kind of developed to say, no, you know, with the growth of impact investing and some of the companies we've seen, it can be profit and purpose. And, and what I think that we've seen with a number of case studies of, of, of high growing companies is that you can now have profit through purpose. So by creating a company that is actually purposeful and impactful at its core, you can use that as your competitive advantage in quite saturated markets. There's obviously all of these kind of internal benefits, but also having that external USP, if you like, to say, we are doing things in a really intentional way and we're really thinking deeply about our impact on the planet and on people. It will help you to engage with your customers on a deeper level. And they're going to be far more loyal and far more willing to talk about their engagements with you and then them using your product because it's part of the value set that they have as a, as a human being. And so I think that's an enormously important part of it is that there are customers out there that are looking for products that align with their values. And so if you help them to make better purchasing decisions, they're going to be more loyal and more willing to use your product again or your service. Ultimately, a lot of these kind of concerns businesses are going to have to deal with because regulation will have to come in to, to serve this. So it's better to be a first mover in your industry or in your region to get there first, to show that you want to be a leader in this sector, basically prove that it can be done. Your business is going to be far more resilient as a result of it, essentially. Thank you, James. You know, I, I think there's a couple of really important takeaways from James's comments. I mean, one, this kind of starts on the inside. You know, it, it might end up with you having a marketing pitch, a product label, a kind of a sales pitch that works and that people resonate with, but that only happens because you start on the inside and that's how you kind of build and structure your company. And there are some great benefits like people want to work for you, uh, particularly in this time of kind of labor scarcity. But I'll just add to that on the business to business side, we're seeing more and more supply chains be driven by how you stack up against kind of ESG scales. So even if you're a company that never sells to a consumer, um, this too will come to you. And also this too could be a competitive advantage for you to either get cheaper financing, you know, and or be on people's supply chain 
uh, that maybe you wouldn't have been qualified to be before. So it starts from the inside, but it's not just the consumer businesses. Again, it's for both consumer and business to business companies can benefit from this. As you get into kind of running a business, it's great that it might help and probably does, but we really want to know kind of how do we kind of quantify those benefits? You know, is it really there? Is it really what's driving our success? And kind of how do we embed this into kind of our business model? I mean, given your experience of Stripe, can you give us a little bit of illumination on that at those points? Absolutely. I, data, I think, is probably in the way the answer to that question. And, and the way we try and think about it within Stripe Climate is we provide companies that use Stripe Climate a, a number of tools and, and plugins and, and assets and collateral to help them build their narrative, right? And and it can be used for whatever purpose. And James is very eloquent in describing kind of the journey beginning inside in and all the different constituents or audiences for this information. What we do at Stripe is, is kind of a more or less like a tech company that's always thinking about tech and data to solve problems. We find ways to expose the information uh, in ways that can be used. And so more specifically, I think, we have, for example, Stripe Climate Pages, which are embeddable kind of assets that you can take into your websites or other collateral or social media campaigns, et cetera, to showcase uh, you know, your contributions. Uh, and then there are companies that have taken it uh, even further, and it's a radical transparency being a strategy for companies like Remote OK. They've actually gone ahead and published a complete cash flow analysis of every dollar that they've received and how much of their revenue is contributing to removing CO2 from the atmosphere, all the projects that the dollars have been attributed to and so forth. So it's really up to each SME to kind of decide how they want to play this and how it maximizes benefits for themselves. The underlying principle here is exposure of data, transparency, and providing assets in a way that publicly available for, for different audiences to consume. Right leverage off of uh, Christian's point and James's earlier point. I mean, we're seeing both access to capital and pricing of capital being driven by this sustainability strategy and your ability to prove you you, you do have a sustainability strategy. Um, we've identified over 200 venture capital firms around the world that are investing either in only climate or impact funds or generalists that in, the, the focus you know have a focus on climate and so, as James said, we're seeing both loans tied to your performance in the general credit market. We're seeing equity being focused in this direction. And we're seeing but in the public bond market, which obviously is not something a lot of SMEs um, access, but is kind of an indication of where the loan market is going. We're seeing a definite discount on pricing for green bonds. There's definitely a movement both on pricing of capital, we believe eventually access to capital um, because of you know, having this strategy or in the reverse, not having this strategy. Maybe a question for, for both of you, but I'll maybe start with you, James. If you haven't started on this yet, if you don't have a sustainability strategy in place, or maybe you've talked about it, but you don't feel like you've really kind of executed on that, what piece of advice or kind of call to action would you give to the audience right now on why they should get started and maybe kind of what they should do as that first starting point uh, on this journey? Yeah, and I think maybe maybe just to touch on that last bit in terms of just the, finally the why, I think we talked a little bit about it, but I think it is 
it sounds like a win-win, but it is better for business. You know, it's better for your business and it is better for people and for planet. And so it is something that really should be engaged in both, I think, from a moral standpoint and from a business case standpoint. Um, so I guess my advice would slightly be picking up to some extent on, on, on what Christian just said, which is around kind of data. It's just trying to get data, really, trying to lift the lid a little bit on your business and start asking questions about what are our governance practices? How do we treat our employees? How do we think about culture within the workplace? What is our kind of supplier code of conduct? How do we choose our suppliers? Do we use kind of environmentally preferable purchasing? How do we work within the community? Do we kind of have a positive effect on the community in which we operate or do we have a slightly negative effect? And just by asking yourself these questions, not only is it a good thing because you start to get an understanding of how you're performing from a sustainability point of view, you also get a, an idea of where you're doing really well and the areas in which you can develop in. And so it kind of creates that internal competitiveness to say, you know, once you measure something, you always want to, you always want to improve. You want to start kind of moving in a, in a, in a new direction. And, and secondly, the idea of like lifting the lid on your business and kind of looking at every decision that you make, it should be something that we all do every, you know, every year or every quarter, because otherwise you're, you know, you're not thinking about how we could do things better. You're just kind of doing things based on everything that you've done before. And so you're losing a massive opportunity to innovate and to do things more effectively because you're not looking at the things that you do and being really intentional about the ways that you do them. So absolutely, the first stepping stone would be just to kind of try and get some data, try and think about those relationships that you have with your stakeholders. The BMPAT assessment is a great way of doing that. If, if you want to go and, and check it out, it is free. It is confidential, so it just asks questions about all of your operations. So you'll be able to kind of just get an initial feedback of how am I actually performing? Where could I be doing better? Or where am I already doing well? And also, once you've got that data, and I, I know you were talking about kind of being in a supply chain as a B2B business, um, Martin, you're going to get asked it more and more because the people that are going to be your clients are going to be saying, well, have you thought about these things? You know, how, what is your impact? What is the data that you've got on your ESG strategy? And so it's better to get it kind of now and be able to think about it and present it in a meaningful way to those clients that are going to be asking about it. Great. And James, oftentimes with large companies, we have a sustainability officer. I mean, we have a sustainability officer here in, in HSBC, Celine, who's very engaged in our strategy. But it sounds like that's really not something as a smaller company you necessarily need. It's more kind of getting each of your leadership members of the different parts of your business kind of engaged and involved. Does that make sense for you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it has to be led from, from leadership. And one of the beneficial things, I think, if, if you are a smaller business and you don't have, a, say, a department, you, know, you don't have a sustainability department, one of the benefits really is that it has to be led by everyone in the business. But there's a great opportunity in there because a lot of people within your businesses probably share the values of living sustainably. They're probably doing things in their personal lives that are making sustainable choices or making ethical choices. But the idea of kind of getting them all behind the sustainability strategy, it means that people in HR, people in finance, people in facilities or procurement, those people that are doing things in their personal lives along the lines of making sustainable choices, then have the opportunity 
to move that into their work lives as well, maybe that they hadn't thought that they could do before. And so they get this kind of real motivation to, to be part of the direction in which the business is going. Um, and I think that's extraordinarily kind of motivating for a lot of people. Right. No, I absolutely agree. And where we kind of experiencing that in, in within my group, within uh, HSBC right now, with people kind of bringing their um, kind of motivation and desires from the home into the office because it actually lines up with their personal direction. So I think it's absolutely true. Christian, I guess same question to you. If, if you were just starting on this journey as a smaller company, why would you start and what would you do to get rolling? One perspective that I think could be interesting for SMEs to consider is uh, it's it's uh, this is a hard journey to undertake by yourself. Uh, possibly it could be much more beneficial and more impactful if you're part of a larger movement, right? And Stripe Climate uh, essentially started with the thesis that you know even Stripe individually had limited resources and there was only so much we could do as a company. Uh, but uh, I think the thesis that if we were to build uh, an ecosystem, a product that has a way to connect supply and demand, uh, supply being kind of a growing number of carbon removal technologies that are critical and are currently woefully sort of underfunded. And on the other side, from a supply perspective, connecting up companies, both large and small, that market, I think, really has a chance of building scale in a way that individual companies or journeys are hard to do, right? And so that is kind of the starting point for Stripe Climate. But the key here, I think, is there is no single answer for uh, any company. And I think we really need to provide data and guidance and information uh, so they can make informed choices on what is the right solution uh, for the right company, right? So. Right, thanks, Christian. Um, James, I have just one question before I wrap up, one more question. And because I know a B Corp is a particular kind of company, but it sounds like any kind of company from a sole proprietor up to a very large public C-Corp could potentially start acting and working within a B-Corp framework. When you talked about your, your checklist and what you're trying to achieve, I mean, that's just one way of doing it. Is that, is that true or is it a particular thing that B-Corp does or are you more about let's help everyone get better and do better things? Yeah, it's it's certainly not a, an exclusive club. You know, it's we have B Corps that are multi-billion dollar public companies, but actually the B Corp community was built on the back of social enterprises, SMEs, purpose-driven um, companies, and sole proprietorship. So it is a framework that is kind of well suited to 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 smaller companies. And ultimately, we are a not-for-profit uh, certification, not-for-profit network that is just trying to change the way in which business is done to kind of push forward a model that is more um, responsible and more likely to kind of help us address some of the global challenges that we have. So for us, it's not about every company in the world becoming a B Corp. It's like, how can we show a model of doing business that more companies want to try and emulate? Great. Thank you, James and Christian. That was a really interesting conversation. And you guys are coming from very different places, with very different perspectives. But I think people can see how there's a lot of overlap and a lot of commonalities on how we might be able to drive the business. Here at HSBC, we're very much focused on sustainability as a strategy. 
my day-to-day job is trying to help all of our existing clients transition to a net zero environment and quite frankly, bring on as many climate tech, new startups, new technologies as possible, and then take those strict technologies to our existing client base, both accelerating their transition and hopefully accelerating the growth of the uh, climate tech, new technology companies that are bringing something to the fold. Thanks all. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.